Greetings and welcome to the Audio Tidbits Podcast Network. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of the How to Matter Podcast. The team members who are participating today are all calling in remotely so I will do my best to get the audio sounding good for you. We really appreciated that you are taking your time to listen. If you want to be sure you know when new episodes come out you can subscribe to the How To Matter podcast on iTunes or Google Play or follow us on Twitter or Facebook at DearGaryCrow. Check out HowToMatter.net for the full scoop. Please enjoy this episode. I wish I were there to join the conversation. As beautiful as Toronto is, three hours in Union Station is getting a little tedious. I am glad I was able to get a hold of you. The telephone is not nearly as good as being there, but it does raise the tediousness some. If I were there, I would share something that surprised me. It's one of those things that has never occurred to me. If you have a couple of minutes, I will share it with you and you can pass it along to the others if it catches your fancy. Albert Einstein once said that the secret to creativity is knowing how to hide your sources. Let me read this to you. John Locke was perhaps even more skeptical than Einstein when he said, All ideas come from sensation or reflection. Let us then suppose the mind to be as we say, white paper, void of all characters, without any ideas. How comes it to be furnished? Whence comes it by that vast store which the busy and boundless fancy of man has painted on it with an almost endless variety? Whence has it all the materials of reason and knowledge? To this I answer in one word, from experience, in that all our knowledge is founded and from this it ultimately derives itself. Our observation employed either about external sensible objects or about the internal operations of our minds, perceived and reflected on by ourselves is that which supplies our understandings with all the materials of thinking. These two are the fountains of knowledge from whence all the ideas we have, or can naturally have, do spring. If the perspectives of Einstein and Locke are merged, creativity is a product of our sources that are themselves not apparent to others. They are hidden from view that precede any creative product. What are those sources? They're either sensations about external objects or reflections about the internal operations of one's mind. This leads me to an interesting hypothesis. You would disagree that the internal operation of the minds of people like Einstein and Locke is hidden from most everyone else. The notion is that they have mental sources that most people don't have. It is equally reasonable to conclude that they also have sensations about external objects that most people don't have. It's not simply that they have higher sensory acuity. They see and hear things that others don't see or hear. Their reality includes objects and experiences that are not accessible by most people. What is usually understood as creativity may merely be reports by otherwise unexceptional people about the hidden reality that is only known to a very few. At any rate, it has never crossed my mind that maybe some people are just more perceptive than the rest of us or perhaps they simply are able to perceive things that are not accessible to us. It's something to think about while I wait around. Thanks for indulging me. It's just something I was thinking about while I wait for transportation home. I will talk with you when I get back. Say hello to the rest of the team for me. You caught me on my way to lunch, but I have been looking forward to participating. 
at least the cell connection seems pretty solid today. I've been thinking about what to focus on ever since you told me you would likely give me a call. I sure don't want to miss the chance to put my two cents worth into the episode. Here I go. Carl Sagan gave me something to think about when he said that if we want to make an apple pie from scratch, we must first create the universe. Now there is a humbling thought. It does tend to put a damper on our ego quotient, don't you think? Invention and creation are far less original than they are typically represented as being. Alexander Graham Bell certainly understood this, great discoveries and improvements invariably involve the cooperation of many minds. I may be given credit for having blazed the trail but when I look at the subsequent developments I feel the credit is due to others rather than to myself. Henry Ford got it too, I invented nothing new. I simply combined the inventions of others into a car. Ralph Waldo Emerson explained how invention and creation actually work, only an inventor knows how to borrow and every man is or should be an inventor. I think the essence of the principle was captured by Auguste Rodin, I invent nothing. I rediscover. What may rank as the first corollary was suggested by Jonathan Swift, discovery consists of seeing what everybody has seen and thinking what nobody else has thought. The converse of Swift's corollary was offered by the famous Anon, don't expect anything original from an echo. It seems to me that the take-home point is that inventions, creations, and discoveries aren't themselves unique or original. They are merely the objects or outcomes. Creation isn't thinking what nobody else has thought. Robertson Davis said, Although there may be nothing new under the sun, what is old is new to us and so rich and astonishing that we never tire of it. If we do tire of it, if we lose our curiosity, we have lost something of infinite value because to a high degree it is curiosity that gives meaning and savor to life. Curiosity ignites imagination and imagination in turn fuels the fire of creation. What then is this fire, this imagination? Peter Nivio Zarlinga's words hold the answer, I am imagination. I can see what the eyes cannot see. I can hear what the ears cannot hear. I can feel what the heart cannot feel. The fitting concluding message for all who create, from universes to apple pies. Think left and think right and think low and think high. Oh, the things you can think up if only you try. That's it, my two cents worth. I guess I'll stop now and find a good place for a bite to eat. Maybe I will try to think a thought no one has ever thought before over a corned beef sandwich. Talk with you later. Thanks for making the arrangements for me to participate today. It's a little noisy hearing the food court so I hope you can hear me okay. I want to add a few thoughts about gossip and gossiping. I'll start with Benjamin Franklin. He said I resolved to speak ill of no man whatever, not even in a matter of truth, but rather by some means excuse the faults I hear charged upon others, and upon proper occasions speak all the good I know of everybody. Do we really believe that Franklin didn't get into a little gossiping now and then? Well, he actually only resolved to stick to the high road. He didn't promise not to gossip. That's just as well since he didn't have much trust in anyone. 
For example, he also said, if you would keep your secret from an enemy, tell it not to a friend. And additionally he said, three may keep a secret if two of them are dead. It's little wonder that he liked to play it close to the vest when it came to other people. Speaking ill of no man, excusing faults, and speaking all the good he knew was a very clever way to avoid becoming the focus of others' gossip. Franklin may have picked up the strategy from Virgil who said, report that which no evil thing of any kind is more swift, increases with travel and gains strength by its progress. With authorities the like of Virgil and Franklin admonishing us not to gossip, it's in our interest to know as much as we can about gossiping and gossips. For instance Walter Winchell clarified one of the gossip's core strategies when he said, gossip is the art of saying nothing in a way that leaves practically nothing unsaid. The superstars pursue their art through inference and innuendo, not facts or plain talk. Bertrand Russell added his two cents worth with, no one gossips about other people's secret virtues. When it comes to gossiping if you don't have something good to say, it's your turn to talk. Of course Virgil and Franklin aren't the only high road folks who advised against gossiping. Edward Wallace Hodge said, There is so much good in the worst of us and so much bad in the best of us that it hardly becomes any of us to talk about the rest of us. If that weren't the final word on it, a Jewish proverb says, What you don't see with your eyes, don't witness with your mouth. That's still not the end of the unsolicited advice. A Chinese proverb says, what is told in the ear of a man is often heard 100 miles away, and a Spanish proverb says, whoever gossips to you will gossip about you. All of the high road wisdom notwithstanding, don't forget what Wendell Phillips knew to be true, the Puritan's idea of hell is a place where everybody has to mind his own business. Now you know so there you go. Thanks for letting me be a part of this episode. I look forward to the next time I get a chance to participate with the podcasting team. Thank you for taking time to join us today. We hope you always matter to people who matter to you. Be well, do well, and please visit us again on How to Matter. 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 How to Matter.